Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. On ESPN Radio, In the Booth, and occasionally on the mic as we join you for an hour-long sports talk discussion. Polly is back in the house, as you probably could tell from failing to turn the mic on on time for the start of the show. <laughs> Demoted my uh, ink-stained headphones yesterday. They went down to uh, the miners and brand new skull candy earbuds today. I'm fired up. Skull candy. But uh, good to have you back there, Polly. Quick on the trigger there. Thanks. I got Trademark. people looking in the window at me. Yeah. You wouldn't do well in a zoo, would you? Kind of belong in a zoo. Everybody waits until uh, just before the show starts to start bugging me about things. Well, that's what you do to them, right? Isn't that uh, famously how you got in trouble with Dr. Baldwin? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, football. I'm surprised how little reaction the football schedule release got yesterday. It's a little concerning to me. Um, and I think for those of us who live it and travel it and go to the games... It probably, I will admit that, not probably, it definitely means more to uh, those of us that are in that boat than those that aren't. You know, so many people, whether they know it consciously or not, they view this is a television show to them, and so big deal. They'll they'll deal with it and consume it when it comes around for the next tier up of fans in terms of support. That it's part of their fall activity, so they kind of plan, but not this far out. But uh, Interested, really, what people think of that. The schedule has a lot to do with the building blocks of success and seeding you for success or failure. And uh, the Orange have uh, quite the mix this coming season. To me, the most notable thing about it, you've got a three-game homestand in September. That's not especially rare. Uh, It does not start with the Labor Day weekend. The Orange are on the road that weekend, first time on the road to open here in uh, recent years, then Florida State, so an early conference game, which will be the new normal in the ACC in future years. You can bank on it again uh, for the third game in 2019, and probably the second or third game of the season from here on out will be a conference game because of the uh, ACC network. They are, in essence, elongating the conference season. So instead of just kind of packing it into the last uh, eight weeks of the year or whatever, there will be conference games probably every week of the year. They, they will eventually work it into where it's going to be opening games, and there's uh, pros and cons of, of all of that. But uh, the ACC is going headlong into the television business uh, a little bit late. Certainly the SEC is a model of an organization that's done this ahead of the curve, and you can see how they have continually scheduled like that. But then October 27th is the last Saturday home game for Syracuse football for this coming season. There's only one home game remaining from there, and it's Louisville on a Friday night in November, which will be cool, uh, I would guess. I mean, this is obviously far from set in stone, but you're going to deal with a Friday night home uh, basketball game or home uh, football game, and then a Saturday basketball game. You can pretty much 
count on. Uh, likely the men would play on that Saturday. Men or women, could they could both play on uh, that Saturday and, and uh, open the season or go Saturday, Sunday, something along those lines and uh, as we project that out. But if you'd like to uh, comment on any of that or chime in, you can do it at 437-7644-4ESPN44. I didn't actually put it in the poly meter there. Polly, how are we looking? Uh, I had us at seven wins. No, I mean for whether you're going to go to the games or not. Uh, Western, Western Michigan, Michigan, that's a done. I'll go to Clemson. I'll go to Pittsburgh. I'll go to Wake. I'll Western go to Michigan was a no, is what you're saying? No, I'll go to that. Okay. It's easy because there's nothing leading up to it or around right. it. So, so you could I'm drive through games. Canada to get there? Yeah, I'm at all games this year. BC, oh Notre Dame, New York. Shoot. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're all easy trips this year. thought we'd get a break. You're right. If you really look at it, the, the Western Michigan game, is the basically the longest road trip. I, I'd be curious to Clemson to know. is probably Clemson a little bit further away, but a kind of a straight shot drive. Western Michigan, you have to go through Canada, huh, to get there? Uh yeah, or you can go down through Kalamazoo, and then uh, Pitts. Yeah, Pittsburgh's easy, and uh, in Winston, BC Salem, and New York and, City. Yeah, New York and Boston Yankee Stadium. Okay. All right. Well, we'll deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> did we you all, do the? Did you do the typical W? No, I haven't done that yet either. Nope, I didn't. I, all I, I mean to me, the the observations I've shared are really the only two that I've made. I mean, in terms of um, not home to open, which we kind of knew that. I think that uh, we did know that that Western Michigan was the opening game. Number one, uh, number two, you're going to be home more at the start when you're a power conference program and you're playing a little bit of a tilt in terms of your non-conference schedule it can be slightly tilted to home. And then because your conference schedule is in the, typically in the back end, you're going to have your home games in September. You know, Let's put it this way. In September, you're going to be more, more home than on the road, generally speaking, for a, a power conference team. That's the way it is for Syracuse. Three in a row, Wagner, Florida State, Connecticut. So you would set three and one as a goal for September. Clemson's going to be loaded. That'll be a, a real tough ask on the road there. But then – uh, Pittsburgh, Carolina, NC State, Wake, Louisville, Notre Dame, BC, the rest of the way, um, all games that will be in uh, within the reach. And uh, you know Boston College to end it, they're going to have everybody back, but it's so far away, and the teams change so much over the course of the season that it, it's uh, preposterous to to pick them right now. You look at this is where I had my struggle. NC State, Wake, and Louisville are all not going to be as good as they were. Correct. Uh, Wake, yes. NC State, I don't know. They'll be probably pretty good again. Louisville will be better. Better? Well, they don't have quarterback, yeah. but they got to be better than they, they were this past year. Boston College will be better. Be, be, yeah, but BCI put as a loss. And Notre Dame will be good. You know, so, uh, you know, you look at the schedule, obviously. You know, you're, right now, at minimum, you look at what teams are going to be ranked at the start of the year. Clemson, Notre Dame, and Florida State. Um. Florida State will be better. It's just a matter of new coach right. coming off a bad right. year. They may. And I think if you're going to play a team with a new coach, you'd rather play them in the first conference game than the sixth, seventh, or eighth. Yes. And uh, if you're ever going to beat Florida State at home, which is bound to happen uh, sooner or later, then a pretty good chance right there. So we are off and running on that. If you'd like to comment on the uh, football schedule or anything else for that matter, 437 ESPN 44. We're on Facebook Live. Hello to uh, those of you that have nothing better to do but uh, lurk out on Facebook and watch us. We thank you and invite you to continue to do that. We'll be back here tomorrow talking NBA. Dave McMenamin, the uh, Cavs reporter for ESPN.com, 
will join us. But we thought with it being a little bit of a lull in the Syracuse basketball schedule, we would uh, check in again in the NBA with what's going on, not only with the uh, Syracuse players. There's been a couple of news items uh, for that, but uh, just all this drama that's going on. The teams are fighting one another. The Cavs uh, have lost a lot of games recently. We're trying to get it figured out, so we'll do that tomorrow. On our show today, Mike Waters will join us to uh, share in some Syracuse basketball talk, but we want to start with Mike on a broader topic and see if he even thinks it's real. But yesterday, Matt Schick of ESPN, you basically see him uh, in a lot of the Charlotte-based programming, throws out, uh, hey, I talked to somebody in the know at the NCAA and 95% certainty that they're now going to allow transfers in football and basketball without having to sit out a year, that basically it would now become a free-for-all and free agency and uh, we will get into that idea and the reaction to it with Mike. I like it. I don't know. I'm, t- I'm way too early for me to say I, I like it. I'm leaning toward hating it, but I don't want to pronounce that necessarily. Either. It would. And I'll be interested to get Coach Beheim's opinion on it tonight on, on his show at, at Shaughnessy's at 7. If you want to jump to the conclusion that coaches have, hey, this is going to be wild, wild west. Anybody that's upset with their playing time or a boo-boo or whatever is going to leave, and you're going to have to constantly re-recruit your teams, and they're going to be shuffled uh, from one year to the next. I think that is the, the the people who start their takes with, this is the worst thing to happen to college basketball, that's what they mean. If you are those inclined that these are – athletes taken advantage of and the deal's not good and they should be paid and free market system. Um, that end of the spectrum says, well, of course, everybody should just, uh, you know, willy-nilly go wherever they they want and, and be an at-will employee, in essence, uh, anywhere. So I tend to think somewhere in between, I, th- I think you need to set up rules somehow to govern it and that the, the market is going to play itself out. We already have 700 transfers a year, six, 700. Is it going to be literally guys jumping uh, from one team to the next on a regular basis? What type of commitment are people going to make when they go to a school? What types of things have to happen to, or be put in place for someone to have the opportunity to move on and who will take advantage of that? We'll talk about all that with Mike in just a moment. Yeah, I think there should be parameters on what reasons you can transfer now if that if they do allow that. But if coaches can do it, why can't the players? Well, we want to get into that. and. To me, it doesn't seem like doesn't seem like twenty year olds and adults should, by definition, have the same. Yes, all right, I hear you. Yeah, they can go to war, they can drive cars, whatever. They are adults. I, I get that, but I don't think that just because the coaches are allowed to do X means the players are allowed to do X. I don't have a great rationale to spell that out for you right at this second, but uh, on the the face of it, that doesn't seem to uh, link up one to the other. So we'll touch base with that. We are uh, overdue for a timeout. We'll get to Mike Waters of Syracuse.com on the Syracuse basketball beat when we continue. We're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Tonight, Syracuse at Miami. Large pregame 645, tip time 7 o'clock. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse, brought to you by Burdick Toyota 
and CH Insurance. Good to be joined by Mike Waters, H2O. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How you doing? Good, man. What do you know? Well, cold outside still. It, it is cold. That is uh, breaking news. We appreciate uh, your being right on top of it for us. It's brutal. H2O is frozen. That's right. I'm, uh, I've, I've had enough. I'm kind of over the winter already, I think. Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, the the other day was, uh, and, and I caught myself kind of doing my uh, either impression of him or qu- quoting Coach Beheim almost within earshot of him uh, the other day when we're getting on the bus coming back. So we leave for uh, Tallahassee. It's 50 degrees and raining lightly. We come back, and it's day after tomorrow, you know, seven inches of snow on your car. It's encased in snow had a drift behind. Anyway, we're getting on the bus back here at Hancock, and I kind of said, well, this is what Coach Beheim means when he says, well, it's beautiful nine months of the year, and the other three months are basketball season. And uh, this is apparently one of those three months. Mike's appearance on our show brought to you by Oswego County Mutual Insurance. And I thought we'd start today, Mike, with uh, the tweet heard around the college basketball world yesterday and, and get your reaction to it. And I don't know whether this is accurate reporting or not because there's some uh, question about that, but uh, Matt Schick of ESPN, you know, basically ESPNU, puts out, "Hey, I know a guy, and you know, he told me ninety-five percent that it's basically going to be a free-for-all in terms of transferring in college football and basketball." And I'm sure all the people that you and I interact with uh, went ballistic in various directions, uh, reaffirming their own uh, personal self-interest. What would you make of all of that? Um. First thing, I was shocked. Like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah, I, I, I heard talk. Uh, there had been even stories written last summer, last September, that maybe uh, allowing student athletes to transfer and play immediately was up for discussion. Uh, but now to have it, you know, basically what, what, what the tweet was like, ninety-five percent done or certainty. Right. Like, wow, we went from discussion to inst- inst- instituting a rule awful fast. And I, what I've kind of gathered since then was is the guy at ESPN might have overstated things a bit that we're not anywhere close to getting a rule passed uh, that would allow the student athletes in the sports of basketball and football to transfer and play immediately. Um, you know, so I, I think there, I think this is going to be up for discussion. I think a lot of coaches are going to weigh in on this, uh, and they're going to have real strong opinions about it before they put this rule in. Sure. And before we go further, I would just throw out for a little bit of context that this sort of does happen in other sports. Around here, lacrosse. Lacrosse has basically an agreement among the coaches that, look, we're not going to really hold anybody back from transferring. Syracuse has benefited from that and has also had people leave by transfer. But, you know, a guy can play for – UMass one year and Syracuse the next, Nick Mariano, and be a star. And that happens. It happens in baseball. But mm-hmm. people don't cover those sports very closely and don't, you know, there's not quite as much at stake as there is in football and basketball. And I thought the reaction that I saw yesterday, Mike, to that supposition that a rule like that would come in was pretty predictable based on where each beholder stood right so the coaches out there the Steve Lapises of the world this is going to be the death of college basketball and is the worst thing ever the it's going to be the wild west correct and then 
you know, the Jay Billises or those who pound the drum of, you know, more rights for the student athletes say, hey, look, they ought to be able to, you know, this is a job and they ought to be able to go, go get a job anywhere. So right. the right answer is in the middle, I guess, but we're, I guess we're going to have to figure out how to find that line. And I don't know where the middle is. I mean, if it's transfer and play immediately or no, you have to sit out one year. I mean, it's not like the current rule is, is you sit out two. And so we have a negotiating point of the middle where we'll negotiate it down to one. Right. Uh, so I, I don't know where the middle is. And I hate putting certain parameters on a kid's ability to transfer. Like I've had a lot of people suggest to me, like, uh, you make it grades based academically. What's his GPA? And I'm like, wow. Because a kid struggled as a freshman in his classes, you're now not going to allow him the same freedoms that you're going to grant other student athletes. Not to mention, and, couldn't that be a reason that somebody would transfer? Like, uh, that's what I said to somebody. Actually, exactly that. Like, wait a second, uh, a kid might not have found himself in over his head in terms of being able to play at a certain place, but he might have found himself. Maybe not. He wasn't even in over his head academically. Maybe just something else was going on in his life that made that freshman year a struggle, something going on back home, family member sick, so, you know, whatever, um, who knows, became a father for the first time and wants to move back to be with his kid, you know, and struggled as, uh, academically for whatever. So now, but you're not going to let him the same free. It gets real complicated and it's real easy for people to throw out a lot of things on Twitter. Um, but I, it is a complicated issue. I'm in agreement with Mike DeCourcy uh, of the oh Sporting News. Um, you know, I sort of get where you want to give student-athletes certain freedoms. I really do. But when it comes to transferring, it's almost like you want to tell the kid, listen, I don't want to say I know what's good for you right now and you're too young to get it, but that year out often helps the kid that transfers. It really does. I've seen it both in terms of players transferring to Syracuse, and I've seen it in terms of players transferring out of Syracuse. Um, they get a chance to acclimate themselves on a new campus and in a new system for a year before being thrown right into the fire. It gives the other school a chance to recruit around them and incorporate that player into their recruiting process like Syracuse did with Michael Benajay, knowing that they were going to have him available, eligible, eligible for three years, even though he was going to sit out for one, but it gave him that one year to kind of, he comes into the program. We know he's part of the mix now and we're, we're going to recruit accordingly, which means you don't get a coach recruiting over a kid or, you know, already maybe having a recruit coming at the same time that this transfer comes in. Um, you know, it kind of makes the, the school put more importance on the player. Well, to me, you know, and maybe this was the reason that that original year was was put in there. It indicates um, commitment and it adds gravity to it. The, on the both whole, ends. The whole concept of sitting out a year to me is, do you really mean it? Are you really sure right. you want to do this? Because – you have to understand that you're taking a step back for what you view as a step forward, right? Right, and that's from the player's perspective, and and that player can benefit from that year out. Give you know, hey, listen, 
think about this for a second. Okay, you still want to go? You probably have some good reasons. But now what we're going to give you a chance to do is we're going to give you a chance in the Syracuse system to learn the zone. We're going to give you a chance to get caught up academically because a high percentage of students, not just student athletes, but students who transfer lose some of their credit hours that they've earned, putting them behind academically. And I hate seeing student athletes get behind academically because it's hard to catch up. Sure. Give, that, give that kid a chance to stay on course towards his degree uh, in the time that he's going to have on campus during his career. Because really, when you think about it, how many kids that are transferring from one school to the next are leaving early for the NBA? Hardly any. Well, right. Those I mean, you guys, have to sort of we're know talking that about you're in kids the... who they, they're going to be in school for three, four, five years. The degree's going to matter, so keep them on track academically. Absolutely. You know you're in for the long haul as we visit with Mike Waters. And his appearance brought to us every Thursday at 2.15 by Oswego County Mutual Insurance. This Syracuse team would be better if Elijah Hughes was playing on it. Sure You know, would. in terms of when he you're thinking about... He might be their second-best player. Right. What would it, what would it be like? You know, right now he's playing in the JV game. Like he, the the game before the games now is, uh, I guess I forget who's on what team, but it's, you know, Jerry McNamara, Eric Devendorf, a couple of managers, you know, and Elijah Hughes is in the game, you know, and uh, <laughs> nobody's out there to see it. Um, and the guys are goofing around and getting some exercise and, and, and going. But I've said that to everybody that, yes, if he were eligible, he'd be the second best player. And so, but at the same time, because he was a kid that transferred at the time of year when he did, which was the spring, it gives the Syracuse coaches a chance to bring him in. They don't disrupt the continuity of the current team, but now they plan accordingly. Like Elijah Hughes becomes a de facto member of the 2018 recruiting class. And I think that's better for Elijah. Yeah. And it also, it's more commitment on the part of the school, which is and turn again, that's good for the student athlete. I think when you see people transferring immediately and listen, the fifth year grad transfer is sort of a different animal. I get it. But you see a lot of those fifth year grad transfers don't work out. The kid doesn't contribute. A Geno Thorpe doesn't get what he thinks he's getting. Uh, I think both on the part of the school and some of the student athletes, the fifth year grad transfer is really more hit and miss. I don't want to see hit and miss at the when when you got freshmen and sophomores transferring, I want to make sure that that kid picks a place that's going to be best for him and gets the best out of it. You know the the recent grad transfers that Syracuse has had three of them in the last uh, two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Gillen, Andrew White, and Geno Thorpe were not only grad transfers; they all were three school guys. Well, and for a reason, because that meant they, they had already sat out a year. They still had a year of eligibility, but they had been able to graduate in four years. It also pulled the so trigger on a transfer. <laughs> you know what I mean? They, mm-hmm. They'd been through that um, sort of thought process and mechanism and knew what was happening and knew uh, what it was like to transition from the other. And I guess you're probably right that the, that's what a lot of these grad transfers are going to be. The other version that isn't likely to happen is the Ivy League guy who – got hurt right. they don't redshirt there and and he you know has one more year to to play and that's that's happened a bunch too yeah so, i've never understood the ivy league not allowing kids to play in their fifth year if they were hurt like say their sophomore year at any other school that kid gets to play his senior year like they coleman did here sure um ivy league schools you think they would have academics and student interest and and all this? like nope we're done with you here at princeton 
you got to go play at Rutgers. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's sort of uh, unforeseen uh, consequences, right, or unintended, where they're kind of thinking, hey, we're, we're not about sports here. We're about right. uh, academics. But what happens is the sports is what would have kept a Sean Miller or whatever at an athletic. Uh, Ivy League institution, you know, instead he transfers from, you know, Cornell to UConn and, and the rest is history. So, uh, or any of the guys that have gone, you know, from Penn to Louisville and, and some of those types of, of, uh, Brown to Pittsburgh, you know, the types of competence we, we've seen over time. So, all right, uh-huh. we'll set, set that aside. Uh, that's a, a juicy topic, uh, really for another time and, and for people, uh, smarter than we are, I think, Mike, to figure out exactly what types of, uh, parameters, I'll speak for myself. Smarter than me, that, that need to be uh, put into place to do that. Not that that would uh, say, I, that I wouldn't take a whole lot. <laughs> um, all right, we ought to talk about the the team a little bit. This is a little bit of a uh, lull in the schedule, and I think an important week. You know, Coach Beheim says, "Look, no, we're not giving them more time off. We're giving them the time off that is mandated. You know, so that's a couple of days here, or whatever. Um, but between the games, but he is really looking forward to practice." this week to address some of their issues. And they need a little bit of time. I, you know, I think I looked at it since they came back from Christmas break, they had had no more than three days between any game uh, up until this point, any two games. That doesn't give you a lot of time to practice. I mean, the day before a game, you're not going to go hard. It's going to be mainly scout stuff standing around on the court with either Alan Griffin, Adrian Autry, or Jerry McNamara uh, running the walk-ons through whatever the other team does. The day after a game, you don't go real hard. That's rest and recovery. So now a couple of these practices maybe can be really good hard practices, but in addition to that, you can really go over some of the minutiae with these guys. Uh, you can go over stuff that they've been missing, defensive uh, bumps and checks and, and you know places in the, where the zone's been hurt. Hopefully they can work on some offensive scheme. Obviously they need to score a little bit more. They need to shoot a better percentage. They have been struggling at that end of the court pretty much all season. So it just gives them a, a time. And I, every single player I talked to in the locker room after the Pittsburgh game the other night was they were looking forward to this break and, and talking about the practice time, but they were all looking forward to it and, and for so many different reasons. You know, Matt Moyer was talking about having a chance to like, hey, this is the start of a new semester. I'm actually going to get a chance to like not miss any classes, not, not have a road trip, uh, you know, kind of get my feet underneath me and, and, and be in the classroom for a little bit and just kind of have that side of my life in order. Other guys were talking about rest and recovery. And, and then other guys like Frank Howard were talking specifically about things they want to do in practice. Uh, so I, I think it's a, um, first of all, it's the longest stretch between games that any ACC team has this year in conference play. But yeah. I think it can benefit Syracuse. And well-timed, I think, for the reason you just mentioned. It's the start of the semester, so if you're dealing with a new course load and different professors and all that stuff, you get that organized uh, because you know time management is so important for these guys to be able to take advantage of that and uh, and then turn their attention to uh, basketball as necessary as well. So another yeah. game... I, mean, we uh, all, I know yeah. a lot of people out there scoff at the fact that these guys are students too, but... I, I know, you know, in talking to the, these kids, that a lot of them do care, and they, even the ones that don't, know that they have to do their work and be in class, and it's going to help them. The fact that none of the kids on this team are going to miss a single practice until February fifth with the road game at Louisville. A class, you mean? A class. Yeah, They're not going to miss a class yeah. until the until February fifth at Louisville. That's a 
big, long stretch. And that's good because then they get to have their faces in the classroom. The professors get to know them. So then when they do start missing a few classes here and there, there's a relationship built up between professor and student. Yeah, right at the start. Okay, good stuff, my man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. We'll have some stuff to break down. I think that Boston College game is a, a uh, real uh, juicy one because you know you circle it on the schedule at the start. This has to be a win. You got to beat them twice. But uh, that's before you're reminded how great uh, Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman are. Maybe the best backcourt in the league, and certainly two really high scoring guards. That they, they alone pose a challenge. Absolutely, that makes them uh, in every game, and, and they've been in every game. I think one of their best results all season is a one point loss at Virginia. Forget about the fact that they beat Duke and beat Florida State. So good stuff, Michael. Uh, thaw out, and we will see you uh, Wednesday in the dome, if not before. Okay. All right, Matt. Thanks, man. Mike Waters of Syracuse.com. He's the best. Brought to you by Oswego County Mutual insurance more to come we'll bring joe in here in a moment and get into do we care wrap up the show here before the top of the hour i'd love to have your comments on any of the things we've discussed or what might be on your mind as well at 315-437-7644 for espn 44 you're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. They won't have their schedules affected by the improvements, or is that still to be determined? Part of the narrative and the dialogue is we cannot disrupt the football season, we cannot disrupt the basketball season. You know, we can't do like what we did in 1979 and play 11 football games, you know, away from, from the dome. We can't, you can't do that in this day and age. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 AM. And 1440 AM. Live from the powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM Syracuse. And 100.1 FM Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. The Jaguars have a plan to beat the Patriots on Sunday. It comes from a bunch of kids. Class of first graders in Jacksonville sent in a plan on how to beat the Pats. They gave it to Jags head coach Doug Marone, who joked with reporters that the plan may have the answers that he's been looking for. You're something else, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, honestly. Between the way these things are written and and delivered, let's just react. First of all, Doug Marone, and we've worked with a lot of football coaches here. Doug Marone doesn't need help. He's turned over every uh, leaf and every stone. He can make his own plan. The first sentence the Jaguars now have a plan to beat the pit. Did you think they didn't have it until the <laughs> first graders submitted it? Or, or, or is it, it's an additional plan, is maybe what you meant. Well, that's why I omitted the word now. When or I we read were trying it. to be cute. I'm never trying to be cute. Oh. Can we have a little fun? <laughs> For God's sakes, kids wrote a football plan. I would love to know what that would be. Yeah, I know. It would have been nice if the straight had a smidgen of detail. That was my... Yeah. It was maybe the kids had... I have a nephew in first grade. Rock. He would have... Yeah, right. Bring in a dinosaur, or, you know. Just like the uh, Celebrity Minute, Paul, Paul, I just do headlines. There's All right. n- nothing in depth. When the puck dropped Wednesday at Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina for the Charlotte Checkers... And the Bridgeport Sound Tigers AHL game, there was not a fan to be found. Bad weather did not cancel the game, but it did prevent every possible spectator from attending. So I was all ready to call BS on that, but uh, having done a little homework, the key, like to me, the the real skill in this, Joe, is figuring out what sentence did you leave out. 
And in this one, the fact that it was a state of emergency as uh, decreed by the governor and the checkers announced that they had closed the arena. It wasn't yeah. like just by happenstance, nobody they opened the doors and nobody uh, showed. That's not nearly as fun, though. <laughs> they didn't open the doors. Yeah, that's not okay. nearly as fun. So they went and played the game. Right. So I'm going to go down in flames here today. <laughs> Where did you find this guy? But uh, I liked the first story. I'm giving him. They Thank they you. used uh, the first story's cute there. Yeah, but they uh, so then all the you know the team staff had to man all the other positions. So they were all doing things they nor- don't normally do, so right. the game could be on television and and uh, and everything for every, everybody else. But uh, I guess they didn't have to do much in terms of whooping up the crowd or sponsorship or whatever. But they uh, played the game. That's the way it goes when the uh, people wonder, you know, every now and again here, if the weather's bad, we'll, you'll get a call or somebody on Twitter. Well, would they cancel the game? If the teams can get there and the officials can get there, the game is on. Bottom line. I would think in extreme circumstances where maybe in this case where they felt like it would be unsafe for people to be on the road. And then in this case, what they did, you wouldn't really do this with a Syracuse basketball game because there's only so few of them. But the Charlotte Checkers are playing 40 home games. Right. Uh, for them to kind of say, hey, we're, we're doing one and the doors are closed is not uh, the end of the world, so that's how they take that approach. I think it'd be fun to play in front of nobody. Just do a kind game like once. show. Yes. <laughs> do it once. I would yeah. like to do that once where Syracuse plays in a closed gym against somebody. Well, it, it would uh, make our jobs more important, I think, to kind of be the uh, eyes and ears if we still got to be there and we're able to tell the story of it. A couple times at the Dome this year, it's been like there's nobody in there. I wouldn't say that at home. Sometimes on the road, you you feel that way. The, a couple games ago, I, it, I don't want to hear it here. Like here, you know, it's first class problems when you're talking about attendance. Like here, we might say, "Oh, the crowd was kind of quiet." There were seventeen thousand people there on a snowy night to see a game. Uh, you, you know, whatever. So like here, the the quote unquote worst days and in terms of attendance, most places would kill for. So uh, we need to put it in that context. Attendance doesn't mean a good crowd. I That's true. It. I said it. Go ahead, Take that, Syracuse. Maybe I can redeem myself with this last one. The San Diego Padres yes. are looking for a change. They need a few. <laughs> that change may be coming in a couple seasons. Padres owner Ron Fowler says a team may adopt new colors for the uniforms to replace the, as Tony Gwynn used to describe, baby poop, brown and yellow. Fowler says there are other shades of brown to be no. considered. No, there's his, not. In his Amy Ford debut of the new uniforms in the 2020 well, they season. Really necessarily committed to the brown, right? They've they had don't. the blue and sand and the brown sort of a, the the old brown and gold that we're thinking of from the 80s is uh really kind of a novelty now. In it's fact, Polly happens day. to be wearing the swinging friar brown and gold uh cap with kind of orange it's accents u- on it's it. It's usually a throwback Thursday that the MLB does that you get those brown ones. Right. You don't get them enough. It should be every night in the in the Taco Bell colors. The brown and yellow is baby. To me, I'm for Ooh. unique. Like the Padres need to do something to stand out, you know. And it, you want to incorporate uh, your community and those types of things. So the 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 blue and sand thing they had going there for a while that was an okay effort too. But I don't think people rush out to buy that. Padres color don't scheme. wear blue. That's Padres meaning actual monks. friars. Yeah. Yes, monks are brown and yellow. Yeah. I happen to be wearing a brown sweater today too. Uh, I think his actual quote was something like, you know, some shades of brown are very classy. Uh, and that might be tr- like this guy, I'm sure, has a nice car with a, you know, 
tobacco interior, they call it, something that that looks nice like that. I don't know about it in a uh, sports uniform, but I'd be willing to see it tried. I am a uh, I am a full fledged member of Bring Back the Brown. I, I yeah, I mean your lid there. I mean that's as that's as classic Padres as it gets. I, I don't even mind the brown pinstripes that they had in the in the late eighties. Uh huh. So the Kevin Bra- Kevin Brown. No, this that was would have blue been, and orange uh, era. Yeah, this would have been the Joe Carter. Okay. Tony oh Fernandez, yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about yeah. Brown stripes. Yep. Yeah, late Bip Roberts. Late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could go with that. We'll we'll see what the there's a lot of creative people out there that uh have these computers and things where they can make designs. So they need something that, like San Diego should be successful. I, I understand the reasons they're not because you know partly it's not a great sports town because there's so many other great things to do and the weather's great and people don't really care. But if you can't get a free agent to San Diego, I got nothing to help you. I've always said the same thing. I'm not a huge San Diego State fan, but I don't imagine it could be that hard to recruit a football or basketball player. No, they're about to build a new stadium there. So, Wow. So, okay. Good stuff, Joe. Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's, love it first slice. I have one I do care. Can I? we talk a little inside baseball here just for a second? Sure. So there's a sign in the uh, staff men's room here that says, you know, do your part, do it. be a team player, and, and put the – Put the handle yes. back in the normal yeah. position because it gets stuck and it floods the floor. Yeah. So three days in a row, I've had no incident. Am right. I just super lucky, or has it been fixed? I think it's been fixed because that sign has been there for a while. I'm okay. guessing it says the maintenance man will be here today, but that was last week. Okay. I think there's an over vigorous flusher. Oh. You, I think you really Somebody have really to manhandle it. it. Yeah. yeah. To uh, to get it to stick. Well, I would say if it's been fixed, let's take the sign down. Because it gives you the hope that somebody's coming any day to fix it. And apparently, it's already been fixed. Just a, That's the least of the problems in that matter. Well, you got some problems, Joe. Trust me. You got a whole series of things to deal with over there. That's probably, the, it is the least of your worries. All right, well, thanks for coming in. Back in the booth to wrap it up as we continue on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Great moments happen here. There's a long line drive on the near side. Leaping to a catch made. Oh, my goodness. It's going to go in for the touchdown. He broke a tackle. 61-yard touchdown throw. The Vikings have won. The Minnesota Vikings have won. Bringing you the sports everyone else is just talking about. ESPN Radio, 97.7 FM Syracuse and 100.1 FM Oswego. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on another snowy day here in central New York. A little lull, as you said, in the orange basketball schedule. Back at it a week from yesterday against Boston College. We'll be at Shaughnessy's Irish Pub talking basketball with Coach Beheim tonight at uh, 7 o'clock. Hope you can uh, come out and join us. Grab some nachos and uh, talk ball with uh, the staff kind of doing a little bit of what in football you would say is self-scouting, I think, it's not like they've got to spend a lot of time really looking at what's happened. They know, and it's a matter of then uh, addressing that in uh, practice this week. We dealt with that on, with Mike Waters, that uh, these are actual practices that can get your team better as opposed to just preparing for the next game, et cetera, which will be uh, next week. We'll, I'm sure, uh, turn the arm of John Mita Perella, Boston College, to come in and tell us how the uh, BC Eagles have done it. Syracuse women are on the road tonight at Miami. You can hear that game here on ESPN 97.7. Then they're home Sunday 
for a 2 o'clock game against Pittsburgh in a game that uh, figures to have north of uh, 12,000 fans in it at the Dome. They've done a nice job of getting those tickets out in the community, and you can uh, get there and take part in that as well. And uh, lots of different ticket specials are available for that. Then uh, the Orange Men in the Dome Wednesday night against BC. You're still thinking about the uniforms, aren't you, Polly? The yeah, I was trying to ask you yeah. uh, what the ugliest uniform you can remember is. I think probably the Astros. I loved them with the uh, multicolor thing they had going on there. I don't really. Most of the uniforms from the '70s, obviously, they're indicative of the era. It makes you wonder what what kind of acid was the person on that thought these were cool or. I but, I miss the Tampa Bay Buccaneer helmets. Yeah, not the, the swashbuckler, not the, not the whole uniform, but creamsicle yeah. uh, color scheme. Liked those. I, I was never a big fan of the Syracuse all orange. I don't have a problem with it. I think it's a novelty thing. It's you know something you do once a year, or whatever. If you can make it look right, easier said than done. In some cases, the monochromatic uniform, but uh, that's part of college sports. Is how many combinations can you cook up? You're either going to be like Alabama and Penn State and look plain and wear the same thing all the time, or you're going to go the Oregon route. And uh, most programs have done that. See what you can do to lure the young people with your many combinations and colors and all kinds of things like that. So uh, new nuances. All right, back at it tomorrow at uh, 2 o'clock. We will talk NBA with Dave McMenamin on our fun day Friday, the casual Friday, last day of the week. Good having you with us here today. Check out the podcast at ESPN Syracuse on iTunes, etc. For Polly and Joe, I'm Matt saying so long in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.